we hear the Christmas story from a very different perspective, the perspective of God's plan. And God says through the Apostle Paul that when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonhood. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Let us pray. Father God, we come to you, and Lord, we, God, we, we just have this, this thing in our hearts that desires to draw close to you, that desires to know you, because we are grateful for what you have done for us, but we know that the more we know you, the more grateful we become. Because the more we know you, the more we understand. The more we realize, deeper and deeper, our gratefulness grows as we realize, to a greater extent, your love for us, your mercy for us, your kindness to us. Uh, Father, may we ever, ever grow deeper in love with you as we understand the magnificence and the glory of your love and your plan for us, of the great sacrifice and of the wonder of your love in sending your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. How was your Christmas? I heard a couple of muttered goods and greats. But if I was to ask you that question, I wish I really could, because some of us, if I, you know, would maybe give me a simple one-word answer like that, but if I was to ask you one-on-one, -on -one, most of you would give me, if you thought I really wanted to talk and to, to know, uh, you'd give me more than a one-word answer. Uh, we're used to answering that question, and we answer it, uh, we answer it even when people don't ask. We've already got an answer. Sometimes, you know, I found myself uh, Christmas afternoon looking at Denise and saying, this was a good Christmas. She didn't have to ask my opinion. I just started sharing it. And, and every year we, we form those opinions. This was a good Christmas. This was a tight Christmas. <laughs> this was a tough Christmas. This was a sad Christmas. You know, and we have all these reasons. Maybe it's the first Christmas we're celebrating Christmas without someone. Maybe, maybe the financially it was really tough. Maybe there were relationship problems in the family. Maybe someone we thought was going to be there couldn't be there. Uh, COVID made things difficult this year. My brother was coming from Austin, Texas. He was on the road. He was almost there. All the way from Austin, Texas to my mom's house in Jackson County on the coast of Mississippi, two hours from her house, he gets a call from someone he's close to. He's been so careful to be around hardly anyone. He gets a call. Um, hey, um, by the way, I thought I should let you know I've just been diagnosed with COVID. 
he turns around and drives back to Texas so that he is not putting my 84-year-old mother in danger. Tough, right? Tough stuff. And, and, and we've all had to go through stuff like that this, this uh, year. And, and so we have all sorts of reasons why we, we grade our Christmases. It may not be on an A, B, C, or D, but, and, and not only the current Christmas, we, we, we kind of look back. You know, we, well, boy, that was a, that was a tough Christmas, or that one was a, that one was a good Christmas. You know, we may laugh, we may, you know, we may cry, we may, you know, but we have all these memories. You know, I, I remember a particular Christmas where there was a, there were Santa gifts laid out. There was a big, shiny tricycle under the tree. I mean, this is back in the day when things were real metal, real steel and chrome and streamers and all this stuff. And my little brother Rob went out and jumped on that thing, started riding around, and he was so happy until they said, Robbie, Santa gave that to Timmy. And Timmy was very excited, and Robbie was inconsolable. You know, uh, I have fond memories of that Christmas. <laughs> Robbie doesn't. You know, we, we all look at things in different ways, and, and we evaluate through different reasons. And Paul kind of decides here, he says, let's look back. Let's evaluate that very first Christmas. And he evaluates it because... He's got a group of people in this church. Uh, he's talking to the Galatian Christians. And he's, there's some folks that kind of want to go back to the old way of doing things. Yeah, they say they believe in Jesus, but they're kind of want to go back to the way things were before Jesus. And he says, let's remember that Jesus was not a nice little add-on to the old way of doing things. It's like, let's just keep the law like good law-abiding Jews and just add a little Jesus to it. Let's remember Jesus came to radically transform our relationship with God. And so he teaches us some things that are transformative, that don't just slightly change they are complete transformations, complete paradigm shifts, if you want to use that terminology. So he says this, when the set time had come, God sent, when the set time had fully come, or older translations say, in the fullness of time. I like that, that phrase, in the fullness of time. It's almost like time was pregnant. It was just waiting, just almost ready to burst forth. And here comes Jesus bursting forth in the scene. All of creation had been waiting for this momentous event. And at the perfect time in God's timing that he only knows. And that's big for us to understand. Because we always want things on our time, don't we? We want things when we want them. But it's God's timing that's right. In the fullness of time, in God's perfect time, he sent his son, the Bible tells us. So, he sent him, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is pretty cool. We talk about being redeemed. Redeemed, and I love to proclaim it. That's a classic hymn. 
We are redeemed. We are set free. We no longer live under the penalty or the power of sin. We are set free from that eternal condemnation that we are opposed to God and that we are headed for hell and eternity apart from him. We know that we no longer are under that condemnation. We know we are no longer slaves to sin. That we have an option to live for God. We're not set in the motion of living for our, the flesh and evil. That redemption is so important and we celebrate that constantly. But here, you know, and so often we think of our salvation as Okay, the reason that, God, that Jesus died for us, the reason he saved us, we think of it as ultimately he did that to redeem us. But here, Paul almost looks at that as kind of an added benefit. But he said, look, he did this and we got redeemed because the main purpose of why he came is so that we would be adopted into the family. God sent his son Jesus so you'd be adopted. You and you and you and every one of you that has entered into the family of God through faith in his son Jesus Christ are adopted. And God's purpose in sending his son was to adopt you into the family. Sometimes kids ask for really big things for Christmas, right? Uh, I was around a family a few days before Christmas, um, and one of the children was saying, oh yeah, I just sent my letter to Santa. Thought that was very interesting. Very interesting, right? Uh, sometimes kids ask for things like puppies for Christmas. Those are big ass, you know, and mom and dad might sit down. How many of us have had this talk and we've said, puppies are a big responsibility. And they look up with those big, oh, yes, I will feed them and I will pick up after them every day. And with all their little hearts, they believe that, right? And with all of our hearts, we know that they won't. You know, we know that we will be the ones feeding and watering and picking up after it. And, and, and then even, you know, some of us at times have had them look up and say, Mama, Daddy, I want a brother. I want a sister. You know, that's like a whole step up from the puppy thing, right? And, and can you imagine that in eternity past, the father and the son said, let's expand this family. We're in perfect unity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't need anyone. We have perfect love. We're in perfect unity. We don't have to have anyone else. But we would love to share our love with others. And so they chose not like a little child who had no idea of what puppies or another sibling would entail, but in complete understanding that when they created perfect man and woman and put them in a perfect garden, that these perfect 
people given free will would soon become imperfect and selfish and sinful. And they would choose to do wrong. And they would fall, and with them they would take the world into fallenness. And so, for them to be redeemed, for them to fully become a part of the family, a great sacrifice would have to be made. And Father, Son, and Spirit, knowing that completely, understanding every single implication, said, that's still on my list. I still want that. That's what I want for Christmas. And so they planned Christmas and they made Christmas happen. And that's what Christmas was all about. Christmas was them in eternity past, in the beginning. We sang just a moment ago, He was the Word. In the beginning, the word of God deciding that one day he would become flesh and dwell among us. He would, he who was rich, as the verse I read earlier at our stewardship moment, would for our sakes become poor, that we might become rich. Was that about dollars and cents? No. That was about the richness of God's grace and mercy and love that we would experience as we entered into the family of God. And Paul has been talking to these people in Galatia and tried to help them understand there's no way you should ever want to go back to that old way of doing things you used to do before. He says it is crazy that you'd ever want to go back to that old system now he's living in a world he and his listeners are living in a world that is very very foreign to us because they were living in a world where households had all kinds of uh, of different positions this this idea of equality for everyone did not exist in the ancient world Men and women were not on the same plane of, of e- not just equality, but value. Men and women were not the same. Boys and girls were not the same. Adults and children were not the same. There were free men and there were slaves. And, and, and there, were free, uh, there were servants and free servants and then there were slaves. And there were all sorts of different divisions and, and, and breakdowns in, in the Roman era households of that day. And there were even among those who were free, there were those who would be, well, well right now, you're, you're young and you don't have freedom. But one day, your father sets a day that if you were the son, you would one day be an heir. And Paul was making this case earlier in the book, of saying one day you're going to inherit everything. That son, in that day... He was the one that would have all the rights and privileges. One day when he got old enough, he'd be free. Unlike all the women in that day, all the children in that day, all the slaves in that day, those sons, especially firstborn sons, they'd have the inheritance, they'd have the freedom. But he said, you know what? Before they reached that day that was set by their father, that they would inherit everything, Paul said, they, they were really no better than a slave. 
They had to live in their father's house. They, had, they didn't have the access. They didn't have the authority. They didn't have the money. They had nothing. They were no better than slaves. Now, why are we having this ancient anthropology lesson? Because it helps us understand his point. Paul was saying, guess what? Under the old system of the law, yes, you the, the old way, yes, people believed in God and they were in the household of God. But listen to the way that the Old Testament saints, under the law, they served God, but it was a do this, 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 and this. And there was never really the freedom. They knew they could never live up to the law. It was, it was very much in the Old Testament. They could believe in God. They could serve God. But it was just like being a household servant, never really a true family member. Maybe if, if they were a family member, it was like a young one that never had graduated to adulthood. They never had the full freedom and, and the, the full rights and privileges of an adult family member. Or in that day, it would be of a, an adult son. And he's saying, why would you go back to being so limited? Now, I hate to even mention this name, but this may help some of you understand. Free Britney Spears. All right, some of you will understand it when I say it that way. What he was saying is, imagine somebody who's an adult, and yet they have a conservator over them. And even though they're an adult... They can't get married. They can't get, spend their money. They can't make any important legal decisions. They have all this stuff, but they're an adult. In their bank account, there's lots of money. There's all these things, and yet someone else is controlling them. They do not have their own freedom and agency. Who would want that? Paul says, that's what living under the law was like. Why would you go back to that? Now, some of you, it's hard, again, in our modern times, because he was talking about sonship. This is not because he's saying this is just for men. Paul was specifically using sonship, even though he was talking to both male and female believers, because he wanted all of us to understand that we all have the full benefits, the full access to Christ. This is the same book, Galatians, where he talks about in Christ there's neither male nor female, uh, Greek or Gentile, slave or free. And when he was talking about that, he wasn't saying that all of a sudden that, that we don't really have any nationality or any gender. He wasn't erasing all those things. What he was saying is that in Christ there aren't any hierarchies. God doesn't look at a woman and say, you're not, you're not as good because you're a woman. Or he doesn't look at as a man and say, you're better because you're a man. He doesn't look at someone of a certain nationality and say, you're better because of this nationality or you're lesser because of this nationality. Those things spiritually matter nothing to God. But when he's saying sonship here, he's saying You've all been adopted to sonship. That means you've got the full rights and privileges. The highest level of access to God you can get. That's what you're getting. So, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. I think this is probably where we get the whole thing about asking Jesus in our hearts. You know, the Bible never tells us anywhere. There's never a place in the Bible where it says, pray and ask Jesus into your heart. Uh, not, not saying you did bad if you did that. The Bible never tells us to do that. It talks us, tells us to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But uh, oftentimes, especially when we're talking to children, we may say, you know, ask Jesus into your heart. But what the Bible tells us is that when you become a Christian, God spent, sends his spirit into your heart. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is sent into us. And that is the spirit of adoption. And that spirit causes us to have not just a master-servant relationship with God, but it causes us to have a father to child and to look at him as our heavenly father, to look at him and cry out, Abba, Father. The Abba here is a word that was intentionally not translated, okay? It was a word that, that was like a special word here, that he was crying out, he was calling out. Do you have words when you're, Children, those of you who've had children, your kids didn't say them quite right when they were little. And instead of being um, weird to you, or maybe they were weird at first, but then they just kind of became special because they said those words that way over and over. And you might have laughed when they said them, and you might have even tried to correct them, but then later you missed that almost. They, well, for me, mine was the way Caleb would say, Dad. Um, he said the dada thing, you know, but real quickly, I don't know why, but dad or dada became dadden, like D-A-D-N, and it was dadden. And it was dadden all the way up till about four years old. Every time he called me out, dadden, dadden, come here, dadden, dadden, dadden. And you know what that was to a father's ears to hear him, little Caleb, say, Dadden? Man, I love the sound of that. I was so sad when it became just dad or daddy, when he figured out the right way to say it. I could have gone on with him saying, Dadden, forever. Because to hear that was just, a joy to my heart. And that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at here, that God has sent this spirit of adoption into our hearts that we call out with our hearts to God, Father, Dad, Daddy, Pops. I don't know what your special word for your dad was if you had a special word and maybe you didn't I know some some of you guys it's hard and some of you didn't have a close relationship but if you wished you would have what you might have called your dad 
But he says there's that special, special thing, that spirit that within you that wants so much to love and to call out to him. That is a Christmas gift. Just like you were adopted and brought into the family, God also put that spirit of Christ in you, that spirit of sonship, that spirit of adoption that calls out, that makes you know that you desire to be close to the Father. That is part of the adoption. Yes, God can't stand sin. Yes, he wants you to be holy. Yes, he doesn't want you to go to hell. Yes, he wants you to live right and avoid sin. Why did, but why did God redeem you and restore you and do all those things? Because he wants you as his child. Because he loves you with an infinite love. A love that looks, looked at everything you've ever done and everything you will ever do and said, yes, I want him still. Yes, I want her still. Let's be honest. Some of our parents would have said, oh, I don't know. If they'd have known all the things we were going to do, they might have said, I don't know. But God looked at us and said, yes, yes, I want them. I want him. I want her. I want to redeem them. I know many children who are been through adoption. I don't understand it. I, I don't claim at all to understand it. But I've heard from, from kids who are adopted and known kids who are adopted and Sometimes there is a struggle with what they feel. Sometimes there's, there's the opposite side of the struggle of what they feel about their birth parents. There's also the other side of it is that my parents, as in my adopted parents, they chose me. And we can understand that in Christ, God chose us. You are not a spiritual mistake. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. He made the first move. He reached out to us. He made a plan in eternity pass to adopt us into his family. There are times when I've heard believers say, try to fight with Chris about Christmas for all kinds of interesting reasons. You know, well, that wasn't the real day. Okay, you got me. But we choose to celebrate his birth on that day. Well, there were some other pagan holidays back then. Okay, we don't celebrate those now. We celebrate Jesus' birthday on that day. And we chose to replace that pagan holiday and say we refute that, we reject that, and we celebrate Christ instead on this day. Well, why are we giving gifts if it's Christ's birthday? Well, there, I can go straight to Scripture. Because according to what Paul says here, it's our gotcha day. It's our adoption day. It's the day, the day of his birth is the day that our adoption in Christ was sealed. It was all part of the plan, but it was the day that is linked 
completely and totally and cannot be separated, Christmas Day is not only Christ's birth, but it is the marker that sets aside and completely marks our adoption into Christ's family. It's Jesus' birthday into this world, but it's also our gotcha day. It's also the day that we celebrate that we were adopted into his family. The Bible tells us that he calls us our, his brothers and his sisters, that we were adopted into his family. And why were we adopted into his family? Because he left heaven and came to this earth. This passage of scripture says that our adoption into the family of God cannot be separated from Christmas. That the two things are linked together completely and totally and cannot be separated. So you are no longer a slave, the Bible says in verse 7. That is, you, know, you are no longer some lowly member of the household that, yeah, you serve God, but you have no rights, no privileges. But you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. So it doesn't matter if you are man or woman, boy or girl. It does not matter your ethnicity. It does not matter your bank account. It does not matter your age. It only matters that you have been born again. That you have been adopted into the family of God. And he says... You're an heir with all the rights and all the privileges. You are a full-fledged member of the family of God. Christ is your brother. He has welcomed you into the family. You are part of a forever family that will never reject you, that will never leave you, that will never send you away. And his birthday is your gotcha day. And that is the great story of Christmas. It is his birth, but it is also a great symbol of your adoption into the family of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand, Lord, that there is no reason for us to ever go back to a system of trying to relate to you through the law, through a keeping of a set of rules that was merely there to help people understand that they could never achieve sinlessness on their own in the first place. Father, you have sent your Son to achieve perfection and sinlessness for us. He died for us that we might live, that we might be brought into the family. Father, if there is anyone here today or anyone here listening, Father, on wherever they are, if they're watching, listening, and Lord, they're not a part of the family because they've not put their faith in Jesus Christ, Lord, I ask that today they would come to believe in you through your son Jesus 
Lord, that you love them. Father, that you have no desire for them to be separate or apart from the family, Father, but that you welcome them in. You desire for your family to grow, for them to become a part of the greatest family of all. Lord, for those of us who are already part of the family, Lord, I pray that if we've believed any lies from Satan, if we've believed anything that's made us feel like a black sheep, anything that's made us feel unwanted or unloved or unworthy, Father, help us to remember that our worthiness is found in you and in your son Jesus, and he can never be unworthy. And Father, help us to call out, to never be afraid, to never be fearful, to never be bashful, to call out to you, Abba, Father. Whether we're in need, whether we're in celebration, whether we're in grief, whether we're in doubt, Father, wherever we are in life, help us to call out to you. Lord, be with us now as we sing this next song and reflect on your word and on the miracle of your son Jesus, his birth, and on the second birth, the adoption, which allows us to be a part of your family. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.